Well, you glad to be in church? Hallelujah. Everybody say hallelujah. Yah is God. Yeah? When you say Yah, you just said God. So say it really cool. Say it nice because you just said his name. Yah. His name is Yah. Right? So, and he is good to us. Amen. So we're glad to have you here this morning and glad that you're in church with us. Uh, They're adjusting the sound. Can you tell? Yeah. So uh, we were supposed to do a better sound check before the service started. Yours truly procrastinated. So now I get to torment all of you with the adjustments that are coming forth. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. Are you glad to be in church? Are you glad the rain stopped? Yeah. Are you glad it came? How many of you, your grass was already turning yellow? It's a lack of nitrogen. You need to get some fertilizer at Walmart, Stuff Mart, Yard Mart, or someplace. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Now, you know, uh, 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 in spite of... In spite of mountains of weed and feed, my lawn was not looking that good. Uh, And so I'm glad the rain came, and now I'm glad it's gone. Hallelujah. Did you know this is like one of our rainiest seasons ever? Uh, And so maybe it's indicative of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. Are you in a better season? Are you in a better season? I trust that you're in a better season. Amen. Come on, say, Father, we receive better. You are the God of better. You take me from faith to faith and from glory to glory. I believe it. I receive it in Jesus' name. How many of you are followers of uh, Joel Wolf? How many of you are followers of Joel Wolf on Facebook? She has 651 followers. How many followers? What a wimpy bunch of Facebookers. Are you serious? No wonder she has so few followers. Don't you love the woman? How many of you love Joel Wolf? Only half of you love my wife? What is... You should resign and find a new church right now. Because I ain't going nowhere. Somebody's got to resign. So, hey, hey, she needs more followers on Facebook, don't you think? She posted all these cool things this week, all these cool videos and stuff. I don't know where she gets all these. Maybe she's snookering into your page and then stealing them. I don't know what's going on, but anyway. But she posted, you know, a couple off of CBN this week, the 700 Club with Matt Robertson. All right? And uh, so, but one of them was, one of them was about forgiveness and about forgiveness therapy. How many of you are followers of Joel Wolf again? All three of you. Did you see that? Did you see the forgiveness therapy thing? How many of you saw that? Yuka saw it. All right. Mary saw it. Colleen saw it. All right. So those of you that follow Miss Joel, you saw that. So that was good. Uh, so it was, you know, it was cool. Uh, there's a new book out and it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a new book on an old thing, right? It's a new book that's a compilation between, so like this pastor wrote it, but he's got like a doctorate degree, so he might be smart. I don't know. And then he wrote this, uh, but he wrote this in collaboration with medical science and with doctors' findings and all this stuff. And uh, they were saying that uh, they, they have found that 61% of, and this was like a giant, I don't know the depth, 
but some kind of a you know giant survey, you know, probably millions of people. I'm not sure. That was evangelistically speaking. <laughs> a large group of people were polled to discover. You know, they went through and discovered those who had cancer. They were doing a survey on those who had cancer, dealing with cancer, and they discovered 61% of them had a forgiveness issue in their life, like an unresolved forgiveness issue in their life. Then they actually did interviews with these people, right? And they found out that 30% of the 61 had like a, no, 30% of the 100, so, but half of the 61 had, not 30% of the 61, but 30% of the whole. <laughs> Work with me on this. Some of you, it's, I know it's getting warm in here, I know. You ought to be up here where it's really warm. Uh, so anyway, they found out that half of, you know, half of the 61, nearly half, uh, have like a significant forgiveness issue in their life, like something totally unresolved. So then they were talking about how that, that when you have these forgiveness issues in your life, right? Anybody ever had one? Don't look around. Eyes closed right now. Anybody ever had one? You know, when you have these forgiveness issues in your life, then uh, it uh, releases adrenaline. You ever had a, you ever, anybody ever? Don't don't answer. Raise your elbow. You ever had a panic attack? Elbow. Uh, you know. Uh, so it ra- you know it raises adrenaline and it raises uh, cortisol or something like that uh, in your bloodstream and so like your body. It's kind of the fight or flight stuff that starts going on, right? Uh, and. Uh, and the result of that, though, is that it suppresses your own immune system and allows the cootie bugs to grow. Anybody got cootie bugs growing? Raise your other elbow. I'm teasing. You don't know if you have them growing. But, but isn't that crazy? So today we want to talk about, uh, we want to talk about forgiveness. And we want to talk about a lifestyle of release, a lifestyle of forgiveness. And I want you to pray with me right now. Just say, Holy Spirit... I just ask you to peer into my heart. I ask you to look deep within me. I ask you to stir up truth and wisdom. I ask you to help me see any unresolved issue in my life. Make me a minister of mercy, a minister of release, a minister of forgiveness. In Jesus' name. So that's, that's uh, our emphasis today. Last week we talked about Pentecost, and I talked about the spring feasts. Uh, of Israel uh, out of Leviticus and how we have Passover. Uh, Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. Uh, So we had a great time together in the Lord. And uh, uh, so there's the spring feast and they, they aren't complete. Passover is not complete until Pentecost comes. And uh, Pentecost, uh, that is just the Greek word for 50. And so 50 days after uh, Pen- uh, Passover comes Pentecost, right? And so we have Pentecost, then we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, then we have first fruits, and we're told in First Corinthians 15, Jesus is the first fruits, and uh, and then Pentecost uh, was symbolic of this awesome harvest that took place. Uh, but it was also s- symbolic of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was on the day of Pentecost 
that the Torah was given. It was on the day of Pentecost that Moses went up on the mount. So they wandered out in the wilderness. They headed to Sinai. Uh, and Moses went up and he was given the word, the, the, the will of God, the breath of God, the power of God to live. You know, Joel brought up something last week. How many of you follow Joel Wolf on Facebook? Sorry, we already did that. Um, but she brought up something last week that I think was really valuable. You know, when they got out to the mount, when they got out to mount, uh, and God was going to come down and meet with them there. And remember, he came down with fire as he did on the day of Pentecost. He came down with fire. Uh, and it says there that the people got frightened and the people said to Moses, you go and meet with God and you be our intermediary. We, this is too scary for us. And like Joel was, was talking about the sermon last week, she was like, you know, what would have happened if they wouldn't have said that? What would have happened if they would have, what, what would have happened if they would have cooperated with God then? You know, here was the Holy Spirit wanting to pour out his spirit on them and they were unwilling. And so the spirit was poured out on Moses, but the spirit was not poured out on them. And to them, what was grace and power and glory, uh, they ran from it in fear. And, and as we said last week, we don't want to do that. Amen? We don't want to do that again. We want to open our hearts. We want to pursue and make ourselves available. And the theme that I want to take us into today is this theme of Jubilee. So we're kind of circling the wagons, talking about various things out of the Old Testament uh, various principles and insights that relate to Israel and uh, the times of uh, what would really be known as the First Testament. We call it the Old Testament, but this is the First Testament. And what a much greater compliment to the Jewish people uh, that we recognize what God was doing with them. And the pictures of what God was doing with them are so powerful uh, for us today, even as, even as Jesus came as a fulfillment in Passover as the perfect lamb, uh, in the unleavened bread as one who was sinless, as the first fruits uh, of resurrection from the dead, 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty, And then he who sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in fire, on the exact same day that the Torah was given, then they're together in one room, and here comes the Holy Spirit in fire to ignite, to make a new people who will receive and accept and run toward him with all of their hearts. Amen? Yeah? Is that what you want? Yes? Am I in the right place? So let's talk about Jubilee a little bit. What? Uh, what? is Jubilee all about. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk about it, part of why I felt like I should talk about it, uh, and I've been uh, meandering around this uh, in my meditation for several months now, is because last year was the the seventh year in a seven-year cycle. And we talked about that a little bit last year and how that Israel, God had them set up to run in seven-year cycles. So there was a seven-day week and the seventh day was the Sabbath, but then there was also a seven year, there was a Sabbath year. So at the end of seven or on the seventh year, that year would be a Sabbath year. 
So God had all of these things, and these things were, were powerful pictures of what he would fulfill in Christ. They have, they have metaphoric relevance in that realm, but they also have practical and real and theolog- theological relevance for Israel and for us today. And so I want to touch on some of that a little bit. So they had the seven-day week. They had seven years. At the end of the seven years, they had a, sa- a Sabbath year. But then after seven of those seven-year periods, they had what was called the Jubilee. And the Jubilee was like a Sabbath year on steroids. Let's read a little bit of some of this stuff, uh, and, uh, and then we'll go back to some thoughts about it and some practical ways to lay hold of it today. Amen? Everybody Okay. I think it ties into our worship today. I really do. God's got one theme that he's trying to bring us into. It ties into what Job is sharing. It ties into what the Holy Spirit's saying. So I just encourage you to stay fully engaged in all of this uh, because the Holy Spirit is creating within us a, a lifestyle of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the fullness of Jesus. Uh, and you'll see, even uh, even as Joe was sharing, just prophetically, uh, as the Holy Spirit was giving him insight, I think it really fits in to all of this. Leviticus 25 and verse 1. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land. So he, this is instruction he's giving Moses on the mountain. Speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather your crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. So in other words, this was actually significant to the Lord. So they were to embrace this. They were to follow this. But this was symbolic of something special in God, something special in the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a a year of rest. Whatever the year yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your manservant, your maidservant, and your hired worker, and your temporary resident. See, labor ready existed then. And your temporary resident who lives among you, as well as for your livestock, wild animals in your land, whatever the land produces may be eaten. Count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Now, by the way, that's what jubilee means. So we use the word J, but like if we were to say, you know, truly like Jehovah, it's Jehovah, right? If we were to say uh, Jehovah Jireh, that's the way we would say it, the English transliteration, it's Jehovah Yireh, okay? Uh, So we say Jubilee, it's Jubilee. And actually, the letter would be a Y 
The pronunciation is better a Y, but it's the blasting of the trumpet. It's the sounding of the trumpet, the sounding of the coronet, the sounding of the ram's horn would begin this. And it's interesting that this year of Jubilee begins on the Day of Atonement. This is, this is hugely symbolic as well. And so this year, and we're literally in a Jubilee year right now, that started on the Day of Atonement in September of 2015. So that's when it started, and then it will end in September of this year, 2016. So we're in a jubilee, a literal jubilee year right now. So there's a literal expression of this where God is doing things, God's up to stuff. We might not even know all that he's up to uh, until we kind of see it come to pass. The first If we go back 50 years, the Jubilee 50 years ago was the year of 1967, and it was during the period of the Six-Day War, and it was during the period where Israel reclaimed Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. So that was 50 years ago. We see something great happened, something powerful happened. So there were metaphoric occurrences. There were spiritual occurrences. There were things happening to those who believe, but also under the Jewish people, God was doing something that corresponded with Jubilee. So these are powerful times. These are powerful times that we want to pray into, that we want to lean into. We are participants of Jubilee literally daily in Jesus, but there are also occurrences of things happening in the historical realm where God is moving and God is moving over his people, moving over the nations, rearranging things, changing things. The 50-year prior Jubilee was 1917, and in 1917, Britain was winning a war while Zionists were praying. So throughout Europe, there were Zionists praying. They were praying for a homeland for Israel. They were praying that God would do something great. They were praying that God would regain gather the Jewish people. There's people praying and there's people lobbying and there's people working to see the hand of God move. There were prophets prophesying. And in 1917, Britain won a great war against the Ottoman and the Turkish Empire. And they declared the Balfour Declaration, which gave Israel a homeland And so 50 years earlier, we see also a mighty thing happened, symbolic of, centered around the year of Jubilee, the fulfillment of the seven sevens, this massive, this massive move of God over the people of Israel as he is regathering them, reestablishing them, leading them to Yeshua. Isn't that fun? Isn't that cool to see? Yeah? yeah? You're not near the, I thought you'd be like jumping or I thought you'd be so excited. And, hallelujah. Verse 9, then have the trumpet sounded everywhere. Verse 10, consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee. It shall be a trumpeting year. It shall be a shouting year. It shall be a glorious year. It shall be a, I feel like you're, I feel like you're turning me down as I get loud. Jeremy, just let me get loud. 
Glory to God. I like loud. Heaven's going to be loud. Woo! The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the the untended vines, for it's a jubilee and it's holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to his own property. If you sell land to one of your countrymen or buy from him, do not take advantage of one another. You're to buy from your countrymen on the basis of the years since the last jubilee. And he is to sell it to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you increase the price. When the years are few, you decrease the price because of what he's really selling you is the number of the crops. Do not take advantage of each other, but fear the Lord your God, for I'm the Lord your God. Now, isn't that, I mean, God's telling him all of this on the mount. Hello? And then some of you think God is not an economist and you don't want to involve him in your business. Did you hear what he told Moses on the mountain? Uh, we're talking. The, we're talking. God is the chief economist. His his economic wisdom is beyond. We need him so desperately in all that we do. He is an economic genius. Deuteronomy fifteen talks a little bit more. I want to read a couple more things about this, and then. Um, I want us to, to see some of the principles. This is Deuteronomy 15 and verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. This is how it's to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he's made to a fellow Israelite. He shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother because the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. And then he goes on, uh, he goes on, so this is about the seventh year, but then he goes on to explain uh, about the 50th year as well in chapter 15. So this is a release of debt. And, and here's what I want you to see also, and you heard it about the land also where he was talking about the land. Remember when they came into the land, there was an allotment of land. So when the tribes came into the land, when they came into the promised land, they divided up the land. Yes? Um, this is uh, this is Indian reservation property right here. We're actually uh, we're actually on the Puyallup tribal land, and um, originally this land was divided up and given to families. And I have the original plat map, and this 5.79 acres was actually given to several families originally. And I have those families' names, and it shows what they were given, as well as I have you know other. Uh, plots around the area. So originally, everything within the Puyallup Indian Reservation, which is a large piece of land, was actually given to a Puyallup family. Over time, many of them lost the land. They didn't pay taxes. Uh, there were things that happened. They sold the land, etc., etc. Uh, here we are. We've ended up with the land, but this land was theirs. Uh, so this is, this is what I want you to see this picture of. When they went into the land, there was an allotment of the land. They were given the land. There was an allotment of the land. Uh, and uh, so uh, when, when they got in there, though, and they began to live, you know, some of them flourished. Some of them were more talented. Some of them were 
were under curses. Some of them had sinful things happening with their families. Some of them had troubles. Some of them uh, uh, calamity came, sickness came. Uh, They had to sell some of their land. They had to lend some of their land. Uh, Some uh, things happened to their land and their possessions. And so, but at the end of the 50th year, the land would revert, revert back to the family. The land would revert back to the family and potential. So that next generation, the potential of the land would be restored to the next generation. And that next generation would have a chance again to do something with the land. So debts would be forgiven. Not only are debts forgiven, but in the 50th year, the land is reverted. Slaves would be let go free. All of these things would happen. There would be a complete release of debts. All of this would begin, and the inauguration of this release would begin on the Day of Atonement. It'd be the same day. This is is Yom Kippur. This is the same day that a lamb would be slain. This is the same day that there would be blood uh, 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 taken into and put on the mercy seat. This is the same day. Do you see? I want you to see the symbolism. I want you to see the symbolism because we live in such a powerful fulfillment of of what God was showing them. What God was doing with them, we live in a massive fulfillment of it that on the day, on the day of atonement, on the ultimate Yom Kippur, on the day of atonement when the lamb was slain, when, when blood was put on the mercy seat, we were released from every debt. And every limitation on our family, every limitation on our lives, every limitation of lineage, of debt, of difficulty, of sickness, of disease, every limitation was broken and all that we owed was forgiven and we are and were set free when Jesus the Lamb became the Yom Kippur fulfillment on that day. I think, I think, you know, we get this picture that Jubilee is not just the blasting of a trumpet, the blasting of the ram's horn, but Jubilee is dancing. It is rejoicing. Can you imagine uh, if your family was under all this debt? Can you imagine if you had been allotted uh, what would be maybe, uh, you know, 500, 1,000 acres? What were the allotments to these families? They were huge. They went in and took over a whole geographical area. These allotments were gigantic allotments of land where they could build, where they could farm, where they could establish cities, where they could, where they could dig for gold, where they could... And, and this land was like the Garden of Eden. This was a land that they walked into, a land of milk and honey, a land of copper and brass and stones and jewels. Can you imagine if something due to your family, sin in the family, struggle in the family, difficulty in the family, you had lost that? Can you imagine the Jubilee on the day of Jubilee, on the year of Jubilee? Can you imagine you looking forward to it? I mean, you're looking forward to this complete release of this debt that the family owes and the loss of property that has incurred.
No wonder it was, no wonder it was a, a, not just the black, it wasn't just come to, uh, 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 that which came to be known as the blasting of the trumpet, but it, it, it was the release in the freedom, in the breakthrough, into new life, in the prosperity, in the blessing. This, this is an exciting time. And so, and so comes jubilation. And so comes dancing and shouting and, and crazy celebration as a new generation, as a new generation has a fresh start to prosper, to tend their land, to prosper and to grow and to develop and do all that's in their hearts to do. principle of the Jubilee is to release debts. There's fulfillments happening right now. We're going to look back on them. We're going to see things that happened this year with Israel, with the Jewish people. But Jesus ushered in a Jubilee life. Jesus ushered in a jubilee life. God, God tells them, can you imagine, uh, imagine your, your uh, you see, the jubilee life is also a life of trust. We're talking about a life of trust. Picture this, you're one of the ones that's prospered. You've doubled or tripled your land. You've got indentured slaves. Because of debt relationships, people have sold themselves to work your land. These were the realities of Israel in that day. Think about, think about now God is saying, not only will you let the land lie fallow, not only will you let the land be available, not only will you let the poor come and harvest, but you will release. You will release. You will release those that are laboring for you as slaves. You'll release that extra 500 acres that you've picked up. You'll release the harvest you were going to get off of that over the next... So the Jubilee life is also a life of trust. It's a life of trust. It's a life of saying that that which people owe me, it's better for me to release it than to continue to extract the payment on it. It's better for me in God. It's better for me. It's going to be a glorious thing. God is going to do glorious things with my life. There's going to be glorious things that occur and come because I'm going to trust him fully. And instead of staying in control and extracting every debt out of every person that owes me, I'm going to let them go free and let things go back as they were. So now we're talking about Jesus bringing, Jesus bringing a jubilee lifestyle to us, and it starts with release. 
It starts with release. I, I love this about God. I think it's pretty crazy. Uh, is that he, he doesn't require unbelievers to be merciful. To receive mercy from God, he doesn't require that you show mercy first. So in Matthew 18 or any parable that you can find, any of our, any of our biblical stories about mercy, people come to the Father, people come to God, and God shows us mercy even when we've got 10 people by the nap of the neck and we're shaking them. And... and and we've got an uncle that owes us, and we've got a neighbor that owes us, and we've got some ex-friends that owe us, and we've got a couple, you know, ex-spouses that owe us, and we've got all of this stuff, and we're shaking, you know, and we are, we are, we are going to get back what they owe us. Right? And we come to God, God can see all of that. And he doesn't require that we release it before he shows us mercy. So we come to God and we receive the ultimate jubilee. We receive the ultimate propitiation with regard to our debt. That is that Jesus took our place completely and everything that we deserved was poured out on him. And so we are shown mercy, not because we qualify for it, but because he did on our behalf and we hide ourselves in him. I'm hidden in Jesus. But guess what? After you come to God... God requires that you enter into the Jubilee lifestyle. After you receive mercy, God requires, and this was the picture of the Day of Atonement. That's why the year of Jubilee started with the Day of Atonement, because it was a picture of God showing mercy to the people that they would then begin to spend that year as a year of mercy. That picture is a picture of what God calls us to do, that Jesus has done something significant for us. God has shown us mercy, though we have owed him and others payments that are beyond our ability to pay. And now God says, you show mercy. The Jubilee lifestyle is a lifestyle of mercy. It's a lifestyle of forgiveness. It's a lifestyle of releasing. It's a lifestyle of letting go. We aren't waiting for the 50th year. We aren't waiting for the seventh year. Yeah, but that's really hard to do. It's really hard to let go. I mean, they really owe me. I mean, they really hurt me. I mean, they really took from me. I mean, they really damaged me. I mean, what's going to happen with them if I let them go? I mean, you know, they're never going to get what they have coming to them. I mean, they're, they're never going to get correction. They're never going to get this figured out. They're, uh, I mean, they, what they owe me, I mean, I, I got I to track this thing. I got to keep a ledger on it because uh, uh, this is super important, and, and they'll never find correction if, I don't, if I'm not a point of reference in their life. Really? So you're bigger than God. Not only are you bigger than God, but you're hinging your whole destiny to their injury. So now they become, as long as you allow that person that took from you 
As long as you allow that debt relationship to exist, as long as you continue to extract from them or desire to extract from them that which they owe you, as long as you have that kind of a relationship, you have an excuse why you can't get off the ground. You have a point of reference where you became a victim. As Joe was talking about, damage comes, hurts come, troubles come, difficulties come, injuries come. But if we don't let them go, then those very things become a catalyst for us to miss our destiny. It doesn't take much, it doesn't take much of an injury to knock you off of your trajectory and to throw you into a wrong destiny. Now, all at once, you're living out a destiny that was never intended by God. You're living out of a destiny that's unfolding because you allowed something to bump you off of your trajectory. So this is part of why God calls us to let things go and to trust him fully. He calls us to trust him fully. What did Jesus say? He's on the cross. It says that he could have called legions of angels to attend to him. He's being wrongfully accused and crucified. As a criminal, he is not one. They're spitting on him. They're mocking him. They're hitting him. They're cursing. What did he do? It says that he kept trusting the righteous judge. He kept trusting the righteous judge. First Peter chapter 2. Let's look at that together. You still here? You all right? First Peter 2.21. For you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin nor was any deceit found in his mouth, while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. I'll get you guys. I'll be back. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He kept entrusting himself to the righteous judge. This is why we can let things go. This is why the year of release is not only a great year of freedom, a great year of excitement and joy and jubilation, but it's also a great year, a great season, a great lifestyle of fully trusting. Because there's... There's debts that you have to let go. There's things that people owe you that you are now called to release. And if you want to enter into the Jubilee blessing, the Jubilee harvest, the Jubilee 
grace, the jubilee power of God, the jubilee will, the jubilee will, God's will for you. If you want to enter into the fullness of jubilee, then you have to embrace fully not only what happened on the mercy seat, how you've received mercy through the propitiation, the payment of Jesus' blood, but you have to enter into a lifestyle of mercy, a lifestyle of release. And it's in the lifestyle of release that you enter into the Jubilee season. You have to finish the cycle. God starts the cycle, but you have to finish the cycle. If you don't finish the cycle with release, if you don't finish the cycle with release, then the blessing of Jubilee, all that we shouted for, all that we blew the horn for, all that we got excited about does not come to pass in your life. Isaiah 61 is... uh, Isaiah 61 is like the ultimate scripture on Jesus being the fulfillment of the Jubilee. Here Isaiah said prophetically concerning Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect lamb, the ultimate The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. What's holding you back today? Jesus has come to declare a freedom over you, to proclaim the favorable year, the jubilee of the Lord over you, and a day of vengeance of our God. Vengeance on your enemies. Vengeance on that which would hold you. Vengeance on that which would now restrain or harm you or steal from you or keep you from the return and the restoration of all that God had in mind for you. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Oh, I know it. It's good stuff. To grant those who mourn in Zion a garland Instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. And if they receive that, they will be called oaks of righteousness. If they walk in that, if they receive that, if they embrace that, they will be the planting of the Lord that he will be glorified. And out of that, they will rebuild. They will rebuild ancient ruins. They will raise up former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. You know what? That's the passage that Jesus quoted when he stood up and began his ministry. And he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. That's how we know that he was the jubilee. That's how we know that he was the blasting of the trumpet. That's how we know that he was the fulfillment on our behalf. That's how we know that he brought us into a complete release of all of our debts and called us to be a debt releaser. I'm going to ask the band to come this morning, and I'm going to ask you to stand and just begin to respond to the Holy Spirit. The Jubilee lifestyle. 
It's a lifestyle of love. It's a lifestyle of mercy. It's a lifestyle of forgiveness. And it continues when we become those who release others from debts. I believe we get aggressive about this. We get aggressive about this. They were to spend a year of their time, a year of their time, was busy going about releasing, tearing up contracts, letting go, restoring property, moving fences back around, moving cattle over, changing things up. They were to spend a year of their time declaring favor on you, favor on you, favor on you, favor on you. Maybe, maybe they would show up to that neighboring farm, ranch, pasture, or property with their ram's horn. And instead of coming with a sad sack, woe is me, I got to give it back to you attitude, they would come with, a, with the, the, the declaration of the horn. They would come with the blowing of the trumpet. And they would begin to say favor on you, favor on you. Let's move those fences. Let's get that. Let's get those herds back over into your property. Let's, let's, I'm returning some of your children back to you. This would be a year of favor. This would be a year of joy. This would be a year of jubilation. And all of them out of trust that God was up to something bigger, bigger than what they could see or even know would be declaring this is the year of favor. Oh, and if we don't embrace this, oh, they would know. They would know. They would know. If, if we don't embrace this, we've become like the enemy of God to that neighbor. We've become like an enemy. We've become like an enemy. Guess what they knew? There would be vengeance on the enemies. This is why I think it's so important we do a a thorough inventory. Jesus said, pray this way and pray this way every day. Matthew 6, 9 through 11. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then he ends the Lord's prayer by saying, remember, remember, remember this. Remember this. If you don't forgive, Father can't forgive you. There comes a limitation on Father's mercy. There comes a withholding on Father's mercy if you've received it but refuse to give it out. Give you a quick story while I open the front. I want you to begin to respond this morning. I'm going to ask those who would minister in prayer just to come, but also just come. Uh, And we want to close this morning. Just embracing a lifestyle of mercy. And and I want to close with this story because I I believe that it may not be just, it may not be just the galvanized emotional issue that you can tag, but some of it is an attitude of the heart. Friday night, I'm invited to a conference at a local church. And I got there late. I got there at 7.15. And when I came in to the conference at a local church, all of my friends there, 
These are friends in the ministry putting on the conference. When I got there, I was a little late. I just came in and snuck into the back row. And I'm on the back row, and I'm observing the worship, and I'm observing what's happening, and the Spirit is moving, and the ministers are moving powerfully, and things are going on. And it's a great service. You can tell the Holy Spirit's moving in the atmosphere. The leaders are animated with the Spirit, and I felt something come up in me, and like contempt, like criticism, judgment, who do they think they are? This is weird. What's going on here? Almost even like a mockery spirit, like, oh my word, these charismatics were all just so goofy. And Even looking at the two ministers kind of running the microphones, they were young. What do young guys know? Young guys don't know anything. So this stuff's starting to wash up into my mind. And I said to myself, this is of the devil. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. And I just began to renounce criticism and Criticism, you have to go. Judgment, you have to go. You're not of me. You're not of God. You have to go. Cynicism, mockery, you have to go. Release me. Get out. You're not of me. You're not going to have a home here. you got no home here. Judgment, fault-finding, contempt, negativity. you got no home here. Get out and leave me alone. And I'm just, uh, it looks like I'm worshiping. Nobody can tell I'm doing anything other than worshiping. But I'm, I'm back there like just whispering over my mind being diligent to preserve, to wash, to get any kind of gunk, poo, crud. It wasn't Winnie's poo. It was something worse. Get it out of my mind. Get it out of my mind. Get it out of my mind. Are you hearing me today? Suddenly from the front of the church, the evangelist from Tennessee says, you on the back row. I'm looking around. He says, you on the back row. Yeah, you, yeah. He says, come forward. The Lord's got a word for you. So I come forward. These guys minister over me for 10 minutes. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. The Lord made me like the center of attention for like 10 minutes in this service. It was embarrassing. I was humbled. I'm up there broken. I'm humbled. But it it occurred to me afterwards, what would have happened if I wouldn't have taken authority over my heart and my mind. What would have happened if I wouldn't have stewarded my heart? Maybe I would have missed something great in God. See, in the year of Jubilee, in the season, in the lifestyle of Jubilee, we refuse to be critical. We refuse to be critical. We refuse to be negative. We refuse to be cynical. We refuse to mock. We refuse to find fault. We refuse the voice and the ministry of pride. We say no to it. No, you're not going to have place in me. And it's interesting... When we clean up our heart and we're careful with our heart, the Holy Spirit says, I can promote you. The Jubilee of promotion. Come on, let's respond to the Holy Spirit. I know he's talking to you and I want you to respond to him. Let's begin to do that and just seek the Lord for a few minutes as we close in worship. Come on, just as he tugs on your heart, make your way to the front and process this in the Lord process it in the Lord. Say, yes, Jesus, I want 
I want. I choose. I choose the Jubilee. I receive mercy from you, but I choose to give it. I receive mercy from you, but it doesn't stop with me. It begins with me. It doesn't stop with me. It goes on from me. And I choose to be. I choose to be a person of Jubilee. I choose to be a person who bestows favor. I choose to be a person who bestows favor. I choose to be a person who releases. Come on, come on, come on. Out of your chairs, out of your chairs, out of your chairs. Let the Holy Spirit touch you. Come and connect with Him on a deeper level. Come and connect with Him on a deeper level. How many times do we know the Holy Spirit's talking to us and we just, we just say, well, I'll, I, He can talk to me right here in my chair. Oh yeah, but there's something about responding to the Word. There's something about a yes. There's something about stepping out. There's something about a yes. There's something about, that's me. I know what that's like. I've left a service in regret that I didn't step out. I've left a service in regret that I didn't say yes. I've left the service. But oh, how much sweeter to say yes.